and wel welcome to episode 10 of Seeds of Wisdom brought to you by From a Loving Place with author Rachel Wolf. I'm Rachel Wolf and today I have the brilliant Karen C.L. Anderson with me today and she's talking about a very powerful seed which I cannot wait to dig into. Nobody else has to change for me to be happy and successful. I have chills <laughs> right now running through me because of this. And what I love about Karen is her work isn't just about out there people. It's not, it's not, you know, the bosses, it's not the friends that don't support us. She goes right to the source, our moms. <laughs> so I I always see her work as so inspiring, even though I don't have a difficult mom. I feel like if if someone can do it with their mom that close, we can do it with anybody. So I love this topic and I'm going to have Karen introduce herself now so we can dig right in. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. When you said episode 10, it just made me excited because my birthday is November 10th, which is next week. And um, I'm going to be 60. So it was like, oh, November 10th and it's the 10th anniversary or the 10th episode. Sorry. Um, oh, exciting. Yeah, so I love the number 10. Um, so yes, I am Karen C.L. Anderson, and my work is basically working with helping writing for adult daughters who want to take care of themselves in the relationship they have with their mothers, who want to experience that relationship differently, who want to experience freedom from their mother's opinion of them and it's so funny because i you know there's always so many different ways to talk about what we do and i know you experience that and it changes you know depending on my own mood like how i talk about it but but lately it really has been sort of this acknowledgement that there is freedom to be found when we know not just logically, but also in our nervous systems, that our safety no longer depends on our mother's opinion of us. <laughs> so, yeah, so I and that's, that sort of again. speaks to the seed that you're talking about, because yes, our mothers, but also how, especially as women being socialized to care so much about what other people think of us and have other people's opinion um, of us and what we do, you know, either hold us back or keep us small or keep us in a certain, you know, narrowly defined Lame. whatever, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's me. That's what I do. I have written several books um, and I am a life coach and I do the, this work with with women one-on-one um, -on -one, and I do offer workshops from time to time, so. And you do have a subscribe uh, newsletter that you can, people yes. can follow. And yep. I will tell you, I get so, like I said, I don't have the difficult mother, but I get so much out of everything that you write. I mean, I really oh. do. And you had said to hold up the my books if yes. I want to, so this is, sort of the main book. This is the popular book. This book is a like a bona fide bestseller. <laughs> um, this one came out in 2018 and in with Mango and it was um, 
the predecessor of this book was a book called um, The Peaceful Daughter's Guide to Separating from a Difficult Mother. Um, that book still exists, but it's like, it's don't bother with it because it's, <laughs> this one's better. And then I have a workbook or a journal for mothers and daughters who want to explore the relationship and um, sort of look at the relationship as a, um, a source of wisdom and healing and creativity. And speaking of creativity, this was my most recent book, which was on overcoming your inner critic and in regards to creativity, which again, that's kind of what we were just talk, talking about, right? That who is the inner critic? Is it your mother? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it often is, I mean, or, or whoever caregiver or important person in our life, um, we often internalize that, that voice, that critical side, even if they weren't super critical. Yeah. It, well, and you know, and it, that, that bloodline, that bloodline of family that tends to be those first voices that we hear. And some, for some people it's in the churches and some people uh -huh. it's, you know, all those first you know yeah authority figures yep and our nervous systems right and this is something i've really been learning a lot about lately is just that you know from the minute we come out our nervous systems are are learning what's okay and what's not okay based on everything that's happening around us and that's how we begin to mold ourselves <laughs> so anyway yeah yeah, it's oh gosh, there's so much to all this. I could, I know I could talk to you for hours. So you're gonna focus. Yes, let's focus. <laughs> on, so nobody else has to change for me to be happy and successful. What does that mean to you? Well, I mean, again, for me, it was my mother. It was realizing that she didn't have to change in order for me to be who I want to be right, to be happy, to be successful, to pursue the things that I wanted to pursue. And um, for most of my life, um, I did believe that she needed to change. And specifically, I believed that she needed to approve of me. <laughs> I needed for her to not be certain ways so that I could feel free. I could feel free to be myself. I could feel free to do what I wanna do etc cetera, etc cetera. and when i finally really got it that she didn't have to change it was like there was so much like woohoo yay you know and i'll change it. <laughs> it for me it was what i call the woohoo oh sugar moment <laughs> okay where I it was like woohoo i'm free oh sugar now i have to like now i'm responsible yeah Right. Like now I'm the one who actually has to, you know, do what I want to do and and, you know, and, and which speaks to what we were talking about earlier. Right. Of of knowing in not just logically, but in our bodies that it's safe. It is now safe to be who we want to be. And so getting back to no one else has to change. What's beautiful about that is that we we you know codependence is a thing and i think a lot of um people will who find themselves in codependent relationships blame themselves or think codependence is this like fatal flaw or this thing to be ashamed of and 
it is actually, I think, something that is baked into our culture, right? Like this isn't just something that some people who are pathetic have, right? This is something that most of us have lived with because it is in so many different like systems and you know schools and religions and like all of that kind of stuff this sort of codependent like you relying on somebody else to be so that you can be okay and there is biological there's a biological imperative for that right back when we were cave people we relied on each other in ways that we don't now but it still lives within us that it so it feels that we still do if that makes sense and we still do need each other it's just that we don't need each other in the same way so the way i like to look at the whole thing of like you know nobody else has to change in order for you to be happy um when we look at systems and a system can be a mother-daughter relationship it can be a school it can be a family it can be a neighborhood right mm-hmm. all it takes is for one element of the system to shift and change just a little bit to affect the whole system. Yes. And that's what I love about it, right? Is that the other people, you know, your mother doesn't even have to be involved in this in order for it to shift in a way that feels better for you. You know, and this was such a big thing for me to get to um, because once like even when you were saying it and talking about needing somebody my throat like tightened up because it's like (laughs) it it felt like that choker on you it's like having to wait for somebody else to change to to do something to be something to to thrive you know I was there I was in the toxic relationships I had unhealthy relationships and I in talking about codependency I didn't know that me feeling like I needed to be a savior to feel worthy Mm. was codependency. You know, I had to rescue. And and if they didn't see my worth, then I wasn't worthy. (laughs) It was such a toxic, unhealthy, you know, cycle that I had got myself in. But it was all because I expected somebody else to be something so that I could be something. Right. Yeah. And again, but again, like this is, we are socialized this way. This isn't because we individually are stupid or, you know, no, yeah, can break free from it. It's such like this expansive feeling. (laughs) Wait, what? They don't have to change. Yeah. (laughs) And to like do what you said is that with that energy shift that happens, that Mm -hmm. it just naturally happens. It's not forced. No, because it doesn't require it doesn't require a massive change either. No, I like to I love the analogy of I mean, you can think of it as an airplane or a ship, right? All it takes is like a one degree shift in their direction to end up in a completely different place. Right. So it's like it's just a little shift, but you end up in a new destination. I, and I just love that. And I love how um, it can get as personal as the familial bonds. You know, because a lot of times when people think of this work, it's always the out there people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and, I think the out there people might be easier on some yeah. level. 
yeah but that but to know that it, it goes all the way in and like when i think of bigger systems i think of it having to start with the smallest system first mm-hmm. you know we have to emanate it to project it out yeah and whatever we project out it's going to re- be reflected back so when we make those little shifts just those little shifts to how the energy starts shifting around us and and what comes to us starts shifting yeah which talk about happy you know being happy and successful when we shift that energy it's amazing when we break free from that what happens yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) i know this kind of conversation is so overwhelming because it is so powerful it's so deep in it and it really it can resonate on that really intimate level. Yeah, and I think when we talk about, you've said like the people out there versus the familial, um, you know, there's also so many, um, I guess, religious and other um, rules or whatever you wanna call them that, you know, you shall obey your parents, you will do this, you, you know, that and and that that family is everything and again at one time that was true right our 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 literal survival depended on our mothers or whoever it was who was caring for us but also you know thousands of years ago it was true that it was life and death and we don't need each other that same way anymore so if abuse or disrespect or whatever it is that is the toxic element in a relationship, even if it's with your family, at one time you kind of had to suck that up and be like, well, our, our, we're not gonna survive as a people if I don't put up with this. I mean, again, this isn't like, we're not thinking this logically. Yeah. But now we're like, I don't need to tolerate abuse I'm going to take myself out of the system and I'm going to be okay because I can take care of myself. I do not need the structure anymore. And the, the something that's fascinating to me is looking at the statistics of estrangement in families, but especially between adult children and their parents and the numbers shift depending on the study that you look at, but the basic number is about 30%. 30% of adult children are estranged from one or either parent or both parents um, at any given time. And that's a big number. And, you know, a lot of the like discussion that happens out there, here's my cat. <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of the discussion out there is, you know, like, oh, this is terrible. And what, you know, kids these days and like, what's wrong with them and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I want to have curiosity about it. I want to be like, okay, well, what is estrangement here to tell us? You know, like, what is this pointing to? Is it that kids are, you know, entitled brats? I don't think so. Is it that all parents are horribly abusive? No. Right? There's, but it's, it, it, I think it's an invitation into a really interesting conversation. Yeah, I, I honestly, I feel like it's, um, we're breaking those unhealthy cycles sooner yeah you know and we can because our survival doesn't depend on them yeah because you know it yeah 
I, 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 for a lot of my work, it, it's about making sure I don't victimize myself mm -hmm. by my thoughts, by my stories, by, by those types of things. And anytime I expect someone to be anybody other than who they are, I can victimize myself. Yeah. And you then know? we do that with, I mean, again, I've, I did it for years with my mother. I victimized myself. Yeah. Um, well, and it's so, like you said, societally, it's so easy to do because of all this shaming messages yes. that come in from around us. Yeah. Shame. What is, we should do. Yeah. <laughs> Shame is one of my favorite subjects. <laughs> Let's go there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I am writing a book about shame and I'm guessing it'll come out sometime next year. I don't have a firm date. Um, and it is probably, or I know it is going to be my most personal book. Um, and it's hard to write, but, um, again, sort of looking at it from a macro perspective, I don't know. I'm just going to say this and I'm, I don't think it's I, I don't know if I actually believe it or not, <laughs> but I guess on some level, we could say that shame and fear were necessary and kind of just like what I was saying before about we don't need each other the same way. I think we definitely humans need each other. Mm -hmm. but not this it's it's not in that codependent way it's more like healthy interdependent way how you know how can we and so i think the shame and the fear at one time may have been necessary to keep us alive for survival yeah. yeah for survival and we don't need it anymore I don't think there is such a thing anymore as healthy shame. There are some people who would argue and say, well, you know, healthy shame is what keeps you in line and whatever. I don't think that that's what keeps us in line. I agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just, you know, it just tears us down. Um, and um, my experience with shame is that it was, um, it almost crippled me. I mean, it really, I don't know if that's the, is that a bad word to say crippled? I don't know. It's uh, what you felt. So I feel like it, it, cause I feel like that's a visual that people understand. So I, yeah. I, I got it. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, um, and it's funny too, because I've, I've, I was watching, I watched a documentary on, um, a Miss America pageant winner from like the 1950s and she had experienced childhood sexual abuse and um and went on to win miss america and like be the successful person and yet she had all this stuff going on underneath and that's the thing about shame that i think is really interesting is that we um we go about living our lives and become miss america or become successful authors or whatever it is and yet this 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 shame is still running the show and people are like oh come on I don't believe that you almost felt crippled by it or whatever, but it's true. Like, you know, and that's why I think, I think it's really important to have the conversations about 
shame because I think it's the water that most of us are swimming in and like we just don't see it. Well, and I think, you know, you and I have talked about plenty about emotions and being happy and successful does not mean we do not experience emotions, that it's not okay to experience emotions, that fear felt as an emotion is okay. Yes. But it's not staying in the energy of it, not staying in the energy of fear, not staying in the energy of shame, not staying in the energy of lack and, and separation and all of that. I mean, being happy and successful means that we process our stuff, (laughs) that we go there. Like you were saying, you're going there in this book, you're going to go there and it's going to be deep and it's going to be hard. Um, But that's how we become happy and successful. We can't do that without facing ourselves. Right. And it's like being able to have the contrast. Yes. Yeah. We have to be able to see it to release it. Yeah, exactly. And get beyond. And I didn't know. I didn't know that for years and years and years that I had this shame. I was experiencing this shame. I just thought it was like a fact about me. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yep. And so many of us do because of that. Yeah. Well, I am so happy that you're writing this book and that you have all the ones that you do out. Um, we have to wrap this up, but. I'm telling you, her work is amazing. If you have not seen it, go to the blog that's attached to this and dive in because there is so much good stuff. And part of this is facing it and to be happy and successful. We go in, we don't yes. go outward. <laughs> Look within, yes. Become your own authority. Yes. So thank you so much for coming and for whoever's watching this, if you're here, you're meant to be here for a reason. So embrace that. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. Bye. Have a great day. Make sure to follow the links that accompany this episode. You will learn a lot more about today's guest and see what they have going on now. You will also get all the links to follow them on their journeys if this seed resonates with you. Don't forget to subscribe to the From a Loving Place channel. Come back next week for another Seed of Wisdom.